clutter takes up too much space in our homes, minds, time, and eventually our landfills. We live in a world that has shaped us into consumers on a planet that can't sustain the consumption. I am Steph McGuire, a professional organizer, and the Sort It Out Sustainably podcast is here for those who want to rebel from the consumerist culture and create a more intentional life surrounded by the things that you love and letting go of the things that you don't. If you're ready to get your home organized in a way that truly supports you and shift your relationship with stuff, that's what I'm here for. So let's get into it. Hi there and welcome to this little podcast episode on the all too familiar decluttering dilemma of wanting to keep things that you don't use for just in case. I'm going to go through and deconstruct this mindset and why we do this as well as addressing what actually can happen when you get rid of things and that hypothetical case does eventuate and you don't have the thing anymore. So for this episode, I'm going to be focusing more on or pretty much exclusively on the things that you already own and that it's time to declutter and not so much on specifically buying things for hypothetical use cases. Although that can totally be a thing too and if you want me to make an episode on the purchasing side of clutter accumulation, then send me a DM on Instagram and I'll definitely make that episode for you. So the truth about the majority of what we keep is that it never gets used. Legit, according to NAPO, 80% of the items that we keep are never used. I assume that the way that is worded with items we keep is not counting items that we used once and is referring and is referring to continuing to keep items past them actually serving you. Like only 20% of the items in the average house are getting used and the other 80% might have been used in the past but won't be in the future. And then there's a lot of the stuff that we sometimes use but could totally get away with letting go of. An example that I'm thinking of could be random unmatching towels or bedding. On rare occasion we do use it but it's when we have the stuff that we like in the wash The thing is here is that having the excess of stuff is part of what caused us to have a backlog of two weeks of washing anyway. Consumerism has really trained us to feel like we need everything for every situation. We feel this sense of wanting to feel self-sufficient, prepared for anything, able to provide for ourselves in all situations and even for others. Like keeping a bunch of stuff to be able to provide for people we know if they're at our house and we can provide for them in some random situation. We all know someone who's really like this. There's a passionate logic to all the just-in-case situations behind why they're keeping a bunch of random stuff. Maybe you are that person. There's no shame in that. It's often driven by love. And if it is driven by fear, then dig deep into that fear and there's love behind that too. Wanting to be able to provide for yourself and those around you in any situation is a love desire. It does come at a cost though. The cost of keeping everything for every situation is heavy. This 80% of stuff that we keep for just in case takes a heavy toll on us. Obviously, there's the space that it takes up. It fills all our storage areas, often to the point where the function of our storage areas is affected. 
the actual space in our home is taken up by storing stuff. The amount of time clutter takes from us is insane. We spend time using items, tidying and cleaning items, moving them around to get to other things, organizing them, and so on. It might not seem like stuff takes up much time, but when there's 300,000 items in the average home, a few seconds here and there multiplied by all of the stuff makes our homes require more time to look after all that stuff. It's estimated that eliminating clutter reduces housework by 40%. That's hours every week for most people. Clutter even costs us money. Not just buying an excess of stuff in the first place, but all the money to buy extra storage solutions. Potentially, you pay to outsource help around the house. You could be spending unnecessary money on purchasing duplicates of items because you don't know where everything is in your home. And having more stuff than is actually serving you is draining your mental energy unnecessarily. This contributes to actually taking a toll on the joy that we can be experiencing in our home. Being able to truly enjoy all the stuff that actually does serve us, our spare time, having more energy to focus on the stuff that actually brings us joy. Now, we also don't want to live with nothing. We've probably all seen the extreme minimalists on YouTube. Those people who have like a mattress on the floor and live out of a backpack. Sure, there's probably a very small percentage of people who are honestly happier living like that. But for the overwhelming majority, stuff can add to our lives. The ideal stuff situation is not a one-size-fits-all. I said before, and honestly on like most of my podcast episodes, that statistic about there being 300,000 items in the average family home, it sounds like an unbelievably high number. When you think about it, it actually does seem more believable because it counts every single item. Every fork, pencil, book, sock, cord, hair tie, it's all counted. Now, I think there would be few families that their ideal amount of stuff free from clutter is actually 300,000 items. I reckon that most families could probably live a more joyful life with about a third of the average amount of stuff, which is still 100,000 items. Your needs could very well be met and lived your needs could very well be met and living very comfortably with 100,000 items. And that's a third of average. I reckon that I've probably maybe got like 20% of the stuff in an average family home. And that's a lot compared to other stages of my life pre-kids where we were living in like a studio apartment and um, other like little houses and things like that. Where we had probably even half of what we own now. So the ideal amount of stuff for anyone to own is just the stuff that is actually adding to their life. There's no magic numbers and rules for what you should own. It varies from person to person. For some families of four, it might make sense to have three times the kitchen gear as another family of four. Because the first family is home most days all day, uses a dishwasher that they stack throughout the day, and loves cooking and having guests over a lot, and the kids do baking every week, and there's a bunch of things that they like to make from scratch, requiring different tools and appliances. Another family that eats 40% of their meals away from the home, and generally washes and dries their dishes ready for reuse, and cooks really simply and no one likes to bake, 
they would require a lot less kitchen items than the first family. Different people live different lives and the stuff that serves us won't serve someone else the same. The ideal situation for our stuff is where all of our belongings actually belong and have an intentional home for them to be kept where they belong. It's all about intentionality. So why is it so hard to declutter the items that we feel could be useful for just in case? It's mostly the fear of the unknown. The cases where we're keeping those kind of things are not like definite situations that we know are going to happen, they're potential situations that could happen. If we're keeping a tent and we have two annual camping trips and other short ones that come up along the year as well, then we're not keeping the tent for just in case. We're keeping it to actually go camping. And if you haven't gone camping in four years, then you're probably keeping it for just in case. And it's probably better off being sold to someone who will actually use it. We tend to fear what if the just in case scenario actually happens and that one day is here. So let me go over the possibilities of what would actually happen if these hypothetical cases that we hold on to things for do happen. One of the most probable scenarios is that we wouldn't even remember about the item. It's something so small and random, kept somewhere random, and we don't even think of it. Many of the things that we keep for just in case, those potential cases have actually already happened and we got on with doing and we got on without having to dig the item up and use it. An example of this is keeping random use specific kitchen items from that third drawer, like avocado slices, um, banana savers, ice cream scoops, pizza wheels. And sure, if you actually do actively use these, then they are serving you. But a lot of the time we end up just using normal utensils from the top drawer. That brings me to my second point, which is if the just-in-case situation eventuates, then we could use something else. If we don't have the perfect item for the job, then we can make do with something else. I'm thinking of a time when I was helping someone declutter a wardrobe and, and there was this dress that they wouldn't wear, they'd been keeping it thinking that they could wear it in case they got invited to like a tropical themed party. Yes, tropical themed parties are probably like the most common party theme and it's not crazy to have that mindset. But I asked her, if she got invited to a tropical themed party next week, would she wear the dress that she was keeping for said tropical party or would, or would she actually wear one of her Camilla dresses that she loves? Which, if you don't know, is a brand that makes really bright and sparkly, colourful, summery dresses which would totally look amazing at a tropical party. And yeah, she definitely would have chosen one of them over the one that she was keeping, over the random one that she didn't like that she was keeping. So she ended up donating that old dress to a refugee charity. Sometimes the things that we keep for just in case, not only could we use something else, but the thing that we're keeping isn't even the best option for that hypothetical case. But when we assess the item, we rationalise these hypothetical use cases for it. If we get into a hypothetical just-in-case situation, then we can probably buy something from an op shop too. Let's say that you declutter a white shirt that you don't wear, and you were keeping in case you had to use it for like a tie-dye activity one day. 
And then like two years later, you see on an event schedule that there is in fact a tie day activity that you have coming up as an option to participate in. You can drop into an op shop on your travels that week and just get a white t-shirt for like $4. And it's not the end of the world if you have to rebuy something one day. Like if you declutter your second cupcake tin because you never bake and then three years later you end up loving catering cupcakes for your kid's soccer team, then buying another one in the future is not a big deal. And last but not least, we can borrow something. We can save money, clutter and waste by tapping into our local community. Some examples of this are books. You can keep ones that you actually really love and value and you don't need to keep an excess of the If One Day books. If one day you do decide to read a book that would otherwise have been sitting on your shelf for the last seven years, then you can go to the library and rent it for free. Tools and other garage items often sat unused in our garage 99% of the year. You can borrow them from a local tool library. Yes, they're a thing. I love the Brisbane Tool Library. Tool libraries are awesome and they're starting to pop up more around the place. Random stuff for random occasions you can borrow from a friend or family member if you ever have that random occasion ever happen. You don't need to keep four times the kitchen gear that you actually need to cater for the odd occasion that you host a crowd. If you do end up hosting a big crowd, then you've got a whole crowd coming that you can ask to bring extra supplies. Community sufficiency is better than self-sufficiency. I'm all for a future where we have better systems of sharing the stuff that stays stagnated and unused in homes or anywhere. The worst case situation is a few times a year The worst case situation of decluttering everything that's not serving you is that a few times a year you might run into the case of needing something that you decluttered and having to reacquire it. And again, most of the time you'll make do without. If you do the rough math, well it's not a legit science but there's a very small chance that something that you declutter could be used or you might need it again. Like really small chance. And if you declutter 50% of your stuff, and end up with a more curated, intentional array of belongings where everything actually has a spot to belong nice and organized and the maintaining of your home is easier mentally, physically and takes up less of your time, then you're taking the chance of needing a few random items that you got rid of one day. But what you gain by simplifying your life is literally 10 times greater than the losses of any random potential repurchases. Now, most people could probably get rid of more than half of what they own and be better off for it, but you don't have to do that. Decluttering takes time. Just 10% of the excess leaving your house is going to make a big difference. But just knowing decluttering will be good for you doesn't make it just become easy. It is hard. It is the minority of people who find it super easy and fun to declutter. For most people, it is a long and tedious process that is hard for many reasons. I have another episode on this podcast about why decluttering is hard and what to do about it. It goes through all the potential struggles that you might have when you declutter and what to do to actually make it easier. I think it's episode 29. So if this podcast episode has motivated you to declutter, but in the past you've found the process really hard, go and listen to that one. 
And I believe that next week I'll have an episode coming out about making 2023 the year that you get organized. So be sure that you're subscribed to this podcast on your podcast listening app to catch that one too. Now I'm going to wrap this up. Have a good day wherever you are. It's the end of the year. You've made it through the year. If you've made any improvement in the realm of clutter and sustainability this year, go send me a DM on Instagram. I would love to celebrate your wins big and small. And with that, I'll talk to you in 2023. Thanks so much for listening to the entirety of this podcast episode. I love helping you create a life of more joy, more time, more sustainability, and more simplicity and intentionality by inspiring you to live with less clutter, less mindless consumption, and less waste. I'm here to help, and if you click subscribe to this podcast, then you'll see a new episode about every week. I have a bunch of previous episodes that might help you and a bunch more cooking. Be sure to be following me on Instagram where I like to have a little bit of fun with Instagram reels and pop into chat on stories sometimes too. I also have some free tools that you can check out and there'll be a link to my free downloadables in the description of this episode. I'm super happy to have a bunch of free resources on my website. And if you're interested in completely revolutionizing your relationship with stuff by decluttering your entire home, then I have a course for that too. That course is called Cut Clutter and Cultivate Joy and the waitlist for my whole house decluttering course is in the show notes of this episode along with everything else that I mentioned too. I wish you the best day or night wherever you are and if you are subscribed to the Sorted Out Sustainably podcast then I'll chat to you next week.